Music, news, information. Weekday mornings from 11. This is Northside Today. On the line now, I have uh, Claire Daly. Good morning, Claire. How are you doing, John? I'm good, I'm good. And thanks very much for taking the call. I know you're running around the place there. So how are things going in the campaign? Yeah, I think we've kind of reached the sort of vegetable stage now where everybody is just sort of wilting their way to the, the final finishing line. I think that's as, as valid for the population as it is for the, the candidates, really. I think everyone's a bit sick of it at this stage now. And <laughs> it's just a case to bring, bring it on, you know. But uh, look, we've nearly covered the amount of ground that we targeted to cover. Uh, met a lot of good people and uh, yeah, we're, we're fighting fit so hopefully we'll get a good result on Friday but sure, who knows. <laughs> so, so what sort of reaction are you getting at the doorsteps? What, what are people saying to you? What's the... Yeah, I have to be honest it's been very positive. I know you'd expect people to say that but it is actually true. Um, I think a lot of people would say, well look at, uh, I'm definitely not voting for the false in a gale in Labour. There is a huge feeling uh, that we deserve a change. Um, I think it's really interesting that in the last election, people voted against Fianna Fáil and the Greens and gave a huge endorsement for Labour and Fine Gael, thinking that they were going to be something different. They ended up obviously being the same, and people aren't going back to Fianna Fáil. So there is a huge space developing. I don't think it's quite ready to be filled yet, but we are going to see record numbers voting against the parties that have dominated in the history of this state so far. So we're kind of on the cusp of, of new times. And by virtue of the fact that they are new, we can't say exactly how they're going to turn out because nothing like this has ever happened before. But I think most people are kind of happy about that. They do want to try something different. They know what they don't want, really, you know. Now, if you believe the polls, uh, the polls, I think, have independence now at 22% or around that figure. But uh, that does, that's that poll, that is uh, independence as a unit. Now, independence mm. are, aren't, aren't a unit. Now, you've uh, been there, done that, so you've mm. experienced mm. it. So what, what difference can independence make? Well, I think there's two things. I think the, the votes for independence show really what it means in a generic sense is that people aren't happy with the, any of the parties that are there now and are looking for something else. Obviously, some of the people who say they're independent are actually really independent, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, and sort of stood themselves because they didn't get the nomination or whatever and they've happily backed government. Um, but others aren't. They're anti-establishment left-wing independence, of which obviously I fall into. And I think I've even surprised myself at how effectively... We've been able to use the Dáil platform to really set the agenda on a whole number of issues, be it Garda reform, be it the work that my colleague Mick Wallace did on NAMA, be it women's rights, workers' rights, the battle against water charges. It's actually been our side of the opposition benches that has set the agenda, which the parties have then uh, tried to coattail and follow. So uh, I think we've been incredibly effective in that regard. And I think the reason why people um, successively sort of say they'd like to vote for independence is, is precisely because of that. And you mentioned water charges there. Is water charges still a huge uh, thing with voters? It is, actually. Uh, I, I've been a bit surprised at how much. I mean, obviously, there's a huge rate of non-payment, and a lot of people uh, have a deep hatred of Irish water, uh, deep concern that uh, what the government's agenda is is to ultimately privatise the service, which, of course, it is. Um, and people don't want that at all. Uh, the march on Saturday was, was tremendously upbeat, even though it was basically subject to a media blackout. So um, it, I've been surprised at the number of times it's come up, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I do 
didn't think it would come up as much, uh, probably because it hasn't been reflected as much in the mainstream media, but it's a huge issue. And there's an enormous expectation that the next government are going to have to deal with this. And I think, you know, I think they probably will, because no one or even two parties, unless it's Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, uh, can form a government. And uh, you'd have to say that the abolition of Irish water and water charges would have to be part of those discussions, really, you know, no matter who's talking, <laughs> because uh, they're only really collecting enough money to pay their own wages to ring us and send us emails asking us to pay. They're not actually fixing anything in the water network. So it is a drain on the decker at this stage, and I think they'd be better off abandoning it now while they're ahead. And is it viable, uh, Claire, to uh, do away with uh, Irish water? I mean, there's probably huge contracts there and there'd be big payoffs if it was to be uh, done away with? Yeah, well, I know you have to get to the thing and you kind yeah. of say, well, look, if we keep it going as an entity, there's going to be a further drain on the taxpayer. And yes, we might have to take a hit on closing it down, but that would be savings in the, the long run or even the medium term. Because, I mean, for example, the water meter program that they're embarking in, which is going to cost over half a billion, utterly ludicrous, no benefit for that at all unless they're going to privatise the service. So, I mean, abandoning that would bring savings. Uh, a lot of the workforce were already contracted to work for the county council so they can be equally transferred over without any costs and so on. So, you know, there will be obviously some hit, uh, unfortunately, because of the appalling behaviour of Fine Gael and Labour and setting it up, but it's better to cut it now or it'll just be a further uh, drain going forward. And I think the idea we would say, along with right to water, right to change, is this idea of a public water and sanitation board, and indeed the idea that there should be uh, a referendum that Irish water, will, that you know, water in Ireland would be always enshrined as a public utility and never privatised. Yes, ironically, we were talking about floods there only a while ago, and they're asking us to pay for water. But um, we, we won't stick uh, with uh, the, the, the water issue because there are other huge issues as well. And uh, homelessness is it's, it's almost as big as the, the water charges. Would you would you agree with that? Uh, in some ways, probably bigger. It's just that maybe it hasn't quite affected everybody. I mean, it's obviously utterly appalling, and we do see record numbers now, which is really frightening. Um, and the root of the problem is that they have just failed to build local authority houses on a systematic basis. It started with Fianna Fáil and it's continued under this government. And unless they address it, we're going to have the problems. Obviously, they have fueled us by allowing loads of rental units to be sold uh, by NAMA to US vulture funds who have set the rates really high, which is forcing more people out into homelessness. And it's an absolutely uh, disgraceful situation, really. But the policies that they're putting forward to address it are not addressing it. Instead, we see tens of millions being expended on temporary accommodations and families having to live in hostels and hotels for, you know, months and over a year. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, it really is. When you consider that NAMA gave away for, you know, less than the market value, fully finished residential units to big U.S. corporations. And at the same time, the government is proposing to spend 200000 per unit on building prefab, prefab houses in Ballymun and in Ballybrigan. It's just an absolute joke. <clears throat> These are the modular, the modular homes you're, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, not sinful, like. I mean, they could buy property in Balbriggan, in my area, for example. They could buy houses for 120000 and they're proposing to build these prefabs for 190000 while bragging that they're uh, doing school programmes now that are taking children out of the prefab classrooms, but they're expecting children to live in prefab homes, but they're not even good value. 
think they, it's just ludicrous in the idea that people would be only staying there for six or seven months. Sure, how can they say that if there isn't any other houses being built at the, at the other side? So when they talk about that, oh, they are going to address social housing, they're actually lying because what they're talking about is not building social housing. It's about linking in private contracts with private landlords. And that has been the model that has given rise to the problems in the first place. So replicating and accelerating that is not going to help. It's only going to make it worse. Well, I know, I know you mentioned Ballymun there. And I know the land that they were they're going to build the modular homes on was originally uh, designated for social housing. And they sort of overruled that, and the people were uh, protesting. But I think I think mm-hmm. they got that sorted out. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what's. Ha- it's not my area. I don't think it's fully fair. I don't think anything is constructed. And I think the idea of blackmail and communities who are obviously very upset at the level of homelessness and that, but kind of using that argument to sort of force them to accept substandard housing on their doorstep when there was a plan for proper, decent. Uh, housing is completely wrong, you know, so I think that battle is still to be fought. It's certainly being fought in my own area and will be accelerated after the election because the local community there is just not having it. They are not uh, going along with this. It's it's a bad plan and it should be abandoned. Yeah, it is the people in Valbriggan. They, they, they're not a bit mm-hmm. happy about them. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, I know I'll, I'll let you go before half eleven. I'm going to interview people later on uh, from the Disability Federation of Ireland and they're calling on they want a Minister for Disability Inclusion what's your feelings beyond that that they reckon that they're being ignored by the present government and previous government yeah and you'd have to say they have a point uh, I suppose I'm lucky that I do work closely with a number of campaigners linked to the campaign for independent living and the people who would campaign for extra personal assistance hours and so on so they kind of keep me on my toes on that. But it's a, it's a very valid criticism. I mean, we have platitudes about disability rights, but even, for example, last night I got an email from a woman who was saying, well, where has it gone, this idea that there was supposed to be 3% recruitment minimum in the public service was supposed to go to people with disabilities? All of that is kind of, and that's a legal requirement, has been kind of thrown out the door. But, I mean, even 3% is pretty paltry anyway, but they haven't even met that standard. So... I think it's a valid point. I think there's been a lot of really good work done by the NGOs and the uh, disability rights activists in the course of this election to actually put their issues a lot more onto the agenda, which I think is important because issues that do get raised now, I mean, it's obviously nonsense that anybody's going to address these problems in advance of the election. And I know that politicians are very fond of saying, oh, vote for me and I'll sort that out, which is obviously absolute rubbish. But the fact that people are raising these issues and disability has come up as one of the key ones will have an impact post-government formation. So I think they're right and I just encourage them to keep going because change doesn't actually come about by politicians, but rather against them and under pressure. That's how they do it. So I'm glad to see them putting them under pressure. Okay, so how do you see this all panning out, Claire? Has it got to be much of a... No one knows, right? I mean, you'd have to say at the moment, based on the polls, two things are probably likely. One is that this is going to be an historic election in that more people than ever before will vote against Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and Labour. The polls would indicate that they'll be down somewhere around the 50 to 55 percent, which is an historic low. And we are on the verge of a new Ireland politically in that sense, but we're only on the verge of it. Probably not enough at this stage. Uh, I think the most likely thing would be uh, some sort of cobbled-together government with Fine Gael and 
what's left of Labour, which I think will be practically nothing, uh, and a few hangers-on, which won't last very long, and quite quickly we'll be into a Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, uh, coalition. So people who are worried about <laughs> that prospect should get out uh, on Friday and make sure that they get as little as possible and come out and vote for uh, people who stand against that agenda. And I think there's a real yearning for that. Uh, it may come off, but probably not in the short term. And I think the good thing is that whatever happens and whoever is in power, we're going to have a very small majority. And despite what the establishment would tell you that that's chaotic, I actually think that's a great thing. Because what it means is that they're much more subject to democratic control by the people. Unpopular decisions now will be able to challenge them. We weren't really able to do that last time around because they would such a huge majority. They knew that even if a couple of TDs cracked and went overboard, that they'd still be able to rule. And that's where their arrogance came from. So no matter who's in there, the people are going to be exor- able to exercise more control, and I think that's a good thing. Well, you mentioned Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael there. I know they're both denying that they'd uh, work with each other. But if that was to happen, that'd be a huge majority in government. And of course it wouldn't. Not, not with what they'll have, I tell you, because Fianna Gael will be doing very well to get late 50s. Uh, Fianna Fáil will be doing very well to get about 30 seats, you know. So they need, they'd be, it would be tight enough, like, you yeah. know, they'd have a handful over the odds, but it wouldn't be anything like the 40 or 50 that Labour and, and uh, Fine Gael had, you know. And, and to be honest, I think if, and I'm not even probably when that comes about, Fianna Fáil will lose some people because some of the older Fianna Fáil deputies who are more, I suppose, what you would say, rooted in the history of the party would not watch that. Uh, and they'll probably leave over it. And I think some of their members will leave as well, which is why they won't do it immediately. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it will happen. OK, Clay, you're an, an ex-shop uh, steward. And mm-hmm. uh, you, do you still work closely with the trade union movement? Oh, absolutely. I regularly, and even the course of this campaign, I have a whole number of, of workers' rights cases. I mean... In some ways, you could say the reason why people come to me with these cases is a bit of an indictment of the union movement. So like a lot of these people will be working in jobs where they pay subs to their trade union, but they find that the trade union officials uh, are really not interested in challenging management and that they've lost their teeth and their stomach for a fight. Uh, and a lot of workers feel let, let down by the hierarchy in uh, the unions. I think a lot of people were disgusted by Jack O'Connor's call for uh, union members to go out and vote for Labour. Uh, but it's just another indication of, of the disconnect with the membership. But yeah, I mean, uh, I would regularly deal with workers' rights cases, disputes. Uh, I've taken a number of cases to the uh, Labour Courts, Rights Commissioners, even as a, as a, not as a TD, but in my time as a TD, I took it as a, just a, a helper or whatever, but I, I was in the doll at the time, yeah. Yeah, people have said to me uh, about the Labour Party, they were always closely related to the trade union movement and uh, people feel that they've moved away from that drastically. Yeah, I mean, there's two things, I suppose we shouldn't be... I mean, Civ2 have been disgraceful. Um, they're, they're clinging on in desperation to the Labour Party and they have been culpable in a lot of the crimes that have been carried out against working-class communities. On the positive side... You've had unions like Mandate, the TWU, Unite in particular, putting in resources around the right to water movement, trying to assist in creating an alternative because they've recognised that Labour isn't a party that represents working people anymore. And they've actually put in yeah, a lot of time and money into trying to develop an alternative, not a party political alternative, but a space where 
alternative ideas and an, and an alternative to neoliberalism can be supported through you know, vehicles outside the Labour Party. So that that's a positive that's actually happened. You know, I don't think the right to water movement would have happened without their intervention. So that that's a good thing. I suppose there's there's pluses and minuses in every situation. Well, uh, okay, Claire. Listen, uh, thank you very much for taking the call. As you said, I think hey, maybe you're probably tired and fed up, and you just want this uh, <laughs> to be over and done with. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it through our words. <laughs> okay, well, listen. Thanks very much, Claire. We'll, we'll talk no again. Bother. Nice yeah. talking to you, John. All the best. And you Bye. too. Ninety point three. This is near FM.